from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's a Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. And I'm MJ. And this is Mark. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know. He sounded like the curmudgeonly guy over in the corner handling the, my, the uh, one soundboard. One of the Muppets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah one of those guys. Damn sound here. No one's paying attention. Or giving me any credit. <laughs> he is kind of the curmudgeonly guy over the he corner, is. right? And it's every time, every week, his beard gets a little longer. A little and grayer. A this little, time of year. Yeah. A little more curmudgeonly. Look a little more dour. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of dour, I heard that uh, you were in, um, on the Oregon coast, recently taking a look at something a little unique. Oh. Mark? Well, I, in the past, I will be this Saturday. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, we're, we're yeah. coming and are going to do it. We, I thought you had done it not already. That our listeners give a shit our exactly, timelines exactly. on anything. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to see Ross Chapin has a little development in Manzanita. Um, and it looks like the second they're finishing these tiny homes, they're just sold. Now, did we did we talk to Ross Chapin on our show? Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. It really was. I quote him all the time. Like really? I, I quote him all the time about the, imp- the um, impact of architecture on neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Remember we talked about the porches and the fences yeah. and, the, and the whole cul-de-sac. And no, it was really fascinating. I felt really edumacated after mm-hmm. I talked to him. So what are we looking at? Six hundred square feet, mm-hmm. two stories, mm-hmm. literal stories with uh, stairs and, and a, a garage in one of. In one of the stories. In, in the bottom story, which has a garage and bedroom and a bathroom, and upstairs had a bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, living room. The upstairs had a bedroom, yeah. bathroom, kitchen. Okay, yeah, yeah. so the downstairs was not the main room. It's the main. Not room the main upstairs. room. That's probably the second bedroom, bathroom. I'm guessing. That kind of makes sense if it's on the coast. Mm-hmm. Six hundred square feet of the garage. That is tiny. That's, it is <laughs> tiny. Yeah, it's super tiny. But that's great. It's it's uh, it's been something that you get, you've been talking about doing mm-hmm. for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That's why I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. And how many of this? How many spaces or units are there? In I this? think there's only two that are left available oh, wow. in the thing, and they just got finished. Wow. So like when Pam found them three weeks ago, they didn't even have pictures of them yet. Wow. So I don't think they'll be here after this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, really. probably not. I don't know. So you're just going to go and take a look at them, not intending to buy because it's, they're going so quickly. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Probably not buy. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. What's the place called? I don't remember. Ross <laughs> Chapin's place by Manitz. If you're going <laughs> to Google Ross Chapin's idea. pocket <laughs> neighborhood by Manitz, Oregon. I'll tell you after I buy it and it's still there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell. Oh, that's true. We can tell everybody about it because by the time they figure it that's out, good point. then it'll that's be That's true. It's called Classic Street Cottages. There you go. Classic street. So cool. Yeah, it's when we went out to, to that Ross Chapin uh, neighborhood some time ago, airport, we were yeah. just blown away by how beautifully, how just great it felt. And old fashiony in that it's a real neighborhood. Old fashiony. Old fashiony. That's a real word. Look at that. No. But you know, there was no like fences. The homes were yeah. not very far apart, mm-hmm. but not in a weird or creepy way. Yeah, not um, up against and, each and other. They, really. And they weren't like all in one straight line, yeah, which also made it, they were in a yeah, like a wavy curve, yeah. exactly. What I really liked about those houses is that they had those, what do they call those doors? Dutch doors? Oh, the yeah, the Dutch, Dutch doors, door, yeah. yeah. That was really, really 
nice touch. Super nice. Yeah. I went to look at a tiny house slightly outside the box as well this past weekend. Where'd you look at? Um, a tiny house on a barge. Oh, yeah. You had been talking mm. about that uh, potential idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as it turns out, it's extremely affordable. How, how much is it extremely affordable? Stupid impossible to find a place to put it. Um, mm. 50 grand. Oh, wow. Mm. For the whole thing or the space? No, the whole thing. Barge so, plus house? Barge plus house. So wow. this is a studio. I think it's 325 square feet, kitchen, bathroom, you know, one just kind of a square little cabin on a barge. Um, so the gentleman actually built it originally to rent it out as an Airbnb. Mm. He has it at a marina. And he was renting it out from anywhere from one seventy five to two hundred and fifty a night. Mm. Wow! He was making a killing, yeah. like five six grand a month. Yeah, um, and which then? is which is interesting because his decor choice is um, questionable. Nautical? Mm. Yeah, no. West no. Craveny? No, no. It was it it's it was a seventies garage sale with small hints of eighties and the sixties. I mean. <laughs> Anyways, but he got in huge trouble from the marina because it wasn't allowed to rent to rent short-term no. rentals. So they told him, obviously, he couldn't do it anymore, and now he's like, well, no, what do I do with it? So <laughs> Think ahead of time. <laughs> so he, I was looking at it, of course, to do the same thing, and my original thought process was, well, that marina doesn't allow it, but surely the other ones do. Oh my God! No, no. Well, yeah, those are pretty intimate. He's places. probably thought of that too. If he was making a few grand, yeah, a month. probably. Well, and it, well, <clears throat> although I have to say, he was like, "Well, you know, nobody's going to let you do it." Anyway, so uh, which I thought was an interesting selling tactic. but i talked to so um for the tiny house enthusiasts out there that think that it's difficult to find a place to put a tiny house on wheels um try to put a tiny house on someplace on the water on a barge yeah Yeah. and speaking of old curmudgingly old (laughs) grumpy men industry are you introducing our guest (laughs) no (laughs) not yet no not yet um boy the marina owners you know like the marina and the and the Brokers and the like that whole um, community. Yeah. Oh man, it's extremely. Oh, nope, can't do that. Like god. this is a female with personality that wants to do something different. <laughs> oh my god. So um yeah my I hope that your tiny <clears throat> house searching adventure goes slightly better than mine. Thank you. Yeah, I looked at a a little uh, floating home too, and it was like. I don't know, maybe 300 square feet, 400, but it didn't even list it that it had a bedroom or a bathroom. Oh, oh boy. And, and you couldn't live on it. So I don't know quite what. what? The, I know. <laughs> it's like, that's just a rack. I don't know what you can do with that. Well, there are, there are um, obviously floating home communities. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, there are. Now, you have to buy the slip. Mm-hmm. Or if you are going to rent the slip, you have to pay what's called a move-in fee. Mm-hmm. So according to this hmm. one broker, he said move-in fees are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, according to every marina, however, that I talked to that did have a slip available, mm. the move-in fee was between fifty to $75,000. What? And it's illegal. Yes. Wow. Now, great great that your mm. rental per month is only $350 Still, a month. Still, you're buying the freaking house at the beginning. Mm. I know. That's so, ridiculous. Fifty to seventy-five grand in cash up front to even move in. 
screw that noise. And again, I talked to this one broker that said, I'll send you the language. Like, it's clearly illegal. But the minute that you mention to the marina owner that what they're doing is illegal according to this code on this mm. da-da-da, they're like, sorry, no slips available. Click. Wow. Crazy, crazy. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, if you want to pay three or four or five hundred thousand for, for a house and then pay fifty thousand for a slip fee hmm. then you too can live on the willamette uh river. no thanks i'd so. rather live in a tiny terrapin mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 please do explain he's listening <laughs> do explain <laughs> explain yourself so <laughs> so our guest today <laughs> is a home is an oregonian we don't very we don't get those very often. Although the last the one bef- the show before last was an Oregonian, at least she lived in Oregon. Um, Jason Lobeck, yep, I think is how you say his name, and um, he maybe Michelle, you should take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the baton, please. passing the baton. Founder, builder, creative guy behind Tiny Terrapin. How are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. I got the name right. You did. Yeah, you Which, did. Terrapin. You did. Jason, if you've listened to any of our shows, <laughs> you will know that that is a high, high compliment. It is. It, we, <laughs> we screw up even the simplest of names. Oh, boy. John well, versus Joe <laughs> versus yeah. Jason versus Joel versus Jack. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the, that name of mine is the one that I... Uh, yeah. Um, get, have to spell every time because nobody knows how to spell it. But uh, there's a lot of people can pronounce it. So is it is a terrapin a fish? Uh, terrapin's a tiny turtle. But that's and right. Kinda, it's a turtle. Yeah, Aww. I kind of fell in love with the idea that you'd be carrying your house with you wherever you go, just um, like a little turtle. Is that why you painted it green? Uh, it, I'm sorry. The garbage truck decided to swing by just now. Is that why you painted it the same color as the turtle? I did. Well, you know, I being a Pacific Northwester, everything has moss on it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I looked at my fence and it was covered in this really brilliant green. And I said, uh, you know, eventually it's going to be covered in moss too. So I took a photo, went in and said, can you match this? And they said, oh yeah. And came up with uh, neon green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. It's going to be covered in moss eventually, so you might as well fit right in. So it's actually it, pretty attractive that color. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. it's one I of my get, favorite greens. Really. Yeah. It's one of those uh, one of the few features of this house that gets complimented. I bet. Frequently, so. I bet. Yeah. So we co- we pride ourselves in being the irreverent commentary on the <laughs> tiny house. So I'm going to be a Excellent. little irreverent. Excellent. What are you thinking? The tiny house industry. <laughs> the tiny house industry is full of builders. Um, it's a really really challenging business model. Yes. There's a ton yes. of competition. Uh, yes. What got you into this, and what were you thinking? Well, so when I when I first started. Um, <laughs> How long ago was that? Getting interested in tiny houses. I was trying desperately how to capitalize, I guess is the best way, to, in the real estate market in Portland because everything was hot. Everything was hot. So I thought I'd be a realtor. And I failed uh, miserably at being a realtor. Mm. Um, it's a whole different breed of person that can be a realtor. And for me, I had building background. Um, the job I had before this was uh, 
a uh, carpenter for a stop motion animation studio in Portland. So, <laughs> really, the, the one everyone one? would know. Not the no. I'll just I'm not dropping names, but oh. it's not the big one. Okay, it wasn't the big one. Okay, so. it was the other little one. Okay, yeah, and and it was my dream job. Oh. <sighs> it was such a cool thing building little mm-hmm. things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my firstborn came along, and I realized that my wife had better uh, benefits, so I became a stay-at-home dad for about ten years. And mm. After two kids, and they're all ready for school, it was time for me to either get a real job or do something, and real estate came along, and I started going to these seminars, and one of them was the uh, uh, Build Small, Live Large, and started getting really excited about uh, all the alternative options out there in real estate uh, with ADUs and tiny houses and communal living, and really fell in love with the idea of a tiny house and how uh, it really was something I could do on my own and allows me to not get a real job, mm. which is my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, uh, it's, I work really, really hard just so I don't have to work hard. I hear you. So, so uh, jumped right in um, and just went for it and finished the, took me about twice as long and twice as much money as I had expected, of course. I think um, that should be the industry motto. <laughs> twice yeah. as long and <laughs> twice, twice as much, as much money. Money. <laughs> and, and a lot of that for me was not the building. The building was the best part because everything I knew how to do, it was how do I attach it to a trailer? What is a trailer? What is, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm pulling from the marine industry well what is this heater how does this heater fit i've never seen this heater Mm -hmm. so what took me twice as long as usually sitting in front of my computer reading reviews trying to find a local source for it deciding if i wanted new materials old materials that kind of a thing um but the whole idea was you know getting on that and and really kind of understanding that with Portland's housing issue, we've got a huge influx of people. Um, The majority of them are single and they're scooping up these three and four bedroom houses that are on the market and they only need one bedroom essentially. Um, And this was before the the whole reach program that's going on they were still not quite legal no one really knew how to deal with them we have not had a chance yet i haven't had a chance to tell my Mm co-hosts and we have not had a chance to actually get really excited about what happened on september 20th here in oregon can i take this conversation offline for one minute here Go. So, offline. um, not offline. I just oh. want to. I just want to comment really off quick. Off, off topic. topic. I see. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. Off topic. Okay. Hey, I want to just mention what's <laughs> happened because for those of us that had done the call out, we're super, super excited about the results. So, as you know, House Bill 2737 um, was came in effect in January of 2018 here in Oregon. And that was a new building code, which was associated with buildings that were smaller than 600 square feet. And so while we all sort of 
considered it definitely a step in the right direction. We were also simultaneously and grossly disappointed that the majority of the tiny houses are on wheels. So great first try, great conversations. Thank you for acknowledging tiny houses in general. So um, about a month and a half ago, however, we um, we found out that the Oregon was actually considering an extension of the REACH code, which gives the inspectors a lot more latitude on not only interpreting uh, 2737, which was very, very, very much needed. It's one thing to have a rule. It's another thing to execute it. So the new REACH code actually gives more latitude to inspectors. It also allows those of us that are on tiny houses on wheels to be grandfathered which is very mm. cool mm-hmm. but most excitingly actually it allows now for full legal occupancy of tiny houses on wheels once the trailer or the wheels is actually um strapped for lack Secured. of a better term mm-hmm. yeah so um, full-time occupancy Correct. Remember, we've talked, Andrew Morrison talked about this whole theory that you could meet the intent of the code by building a trailer, strapping a trailer, blocking a trailer that meant the intent of the foundation code. So that message was was loud and clear. So um, right around the beginning of September, we did a huge email call out to everybody and said, Oregon wants to know what we think. There was four options that they had presented. Option one was the extreme and said, I don't want tiny houses ever anywhere near me, right? But then option four was this new reach code. Um, Hmm. I was actually very surprised that not only... So option one, I think, got zero votes. Option two was two votes. Option three was two votes. Option four, which was the one we were voting for, for lack of a better term, was 35 votes. So unequivocally, everybody that wrote in supported it, and they literally made it effective on September 20th. So Mm. is that Oregon-wide or just Portland or what? All of Oregon. Mm. Now, as you know, each jurisdiction now has to embrace it and understand it, but we had a conversation um, some of my cohorts and friends had a conversation with the city of Hillsboro two weeks ago. As you know, Amelia was at the Street of Dreams, mm. and originally Hillsboro had said, no, Amelia is not allowed in the city of Hillsboro. We don't allow tiny houses on wheels. Forget it. Don't ask. And then they circled back. The new owner of Amelia circled back with Hillsboro, and they admitted that with a few modifications, she will be allowed on her own city lot in Hillsboro. Holy smokes. And uh, legally occupied. What were the, small, the small modifications? Um, the, we haven't gotten to the letter of that yet. Huh. Um, I anticipate it probably has to do with the um, hooking up to utilities, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, making mm-hmm. sure that all, all the utilities They're are safe and all permanent, yeah. permanent hookups associated oh, with see. that. Um, Very as opposed to sort of hybrid RV things she's yeah. got going on. But I was super excited because Amelia was really built to be the first legally occupied tiny like it was built in 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 with 2737 in mind sorry about that jason i wanted to no no, no, i was very articulate i appreciate that that's better than i could have done (laughs) thank you i just wanted to share with everybody how super exciting that's very exciting news it's the first we're the first state in the country that have allowed that to happen and we haven't really gotten a chance to talk Mm -hmm. about it here very cool yeah yeah that's uh it went from uh being pretty flexible to very Inflexible to again very flexible in that short amount of time. So, so I guess that that's encouraging for you as a builder, huh? Well, I hope so. I definitely hope so. I mean, uh, now uh, when when I'm at shows, a lot of the conversation is all about great. I can get a tiny house, but what do I do with it after that? Right. And with without really 
understanding the full reach uh, implications. I haven't really delved too deep into it. Uh, haven't had a time to do it. Um, and, and only just every blog I read is very enthused about it, so I'm taking it as a good thing. So. Well, we still have some executional challenges. Yeah. I mean, with any new rule, every single freaking inspector has to interpret that for that's themselves. Tr- that's true. Right. And it was controversial because of the fact that do we really want to <coughs> give building inspectors more latitude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so, Jason, is this your yes. first tiny house? Uh, this is this is my first tiny house. And is it um, is it a tumbleweed by any chance? Not at all. It's um, I, I, I Jay Schaefer's stuff is fantastic. I love tumbleweeds, um, and I like the what I what I like about those is that they kind of fit in every neighborhood. Like you're not really you know too modern, and it and it fits in a classic neighborhood. Hmm. But for me, I uh, fell in love with the. Um, design of Sean Derner from the uh, Small House Catalog. Hmm. And um, he and his wife built the first model years ago and lived in it for a number of years. And for me, that was kind of a, a test to see how functional two people could live in a small environment. And I love kind of that craftsman bungalow look to it. So I uh, contacted him, Sean, and he was very very helpful and he's a really sweet guy he's up in port uh roberts that little nub sticking down from canada so port roberts uh washington Mm. but his designs he works uh i don't know if you guys know about him but he uh he is a designer who gives away free designs every month oh interesting that's very generous of him Mm -hmm. it is and and a lot of his stuff is really well thought out in small spaces are they engineered as well uh, they are not. Most of them are just his uh, his architectural drawings of them. Hmm. So, um, and they're not all just tiny houses. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them are on foundations. So, so why did you his, choose this particular design out of all of them in the whole wide world? Uh, again, it was just that sense of uh, the small craftsman style, the well. Uh, and 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 uh, you know, in this situation, most tiny houses can get kind of dark, small space. Not, a, and he he really designed it with a lot of windows, um, and it seemed like a very functional floor plan. Hmm. And I made some uh, adjustments to it on the interior, but the exterior is almost identical, hmm. except I completely reversed it. So. His door is on one side. I, I switched it to the left side. So Yeah, is it the Moshata? Yes. Yeah, I exactly. see that. Interesting. Yeah. And so, okay. Is, go yes, ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. So, so you, you're just starting out as a builder then? Uh, yes. Well, absolutely. not in, you've been building, but in this space, you're just starting out. In, yeah, this, this was the first go at it. Um, this is kind of the show model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take it around to shows and either talk to people about getting uh, selling it or selling custom pieces from this so i see so, sort of a showcase of how well i can build so nice so what yeah. is your elevators again going back to the sort of cynical way i started this interview so like what's yeah. this question so what's your what's your elevator pitch what yeah. makes you different are you only doing one at a time i mean you it doesn't sound sure. like you envision yourself being the next tumbleweed um you know no. big no, big no, no, time no. builder yeah. so give us your well, your elevator pitch here what's your what's your sh- 
spiel? So what I really think that sets my uh, houses off from other people's is the quality of craftsmanship and the choice of materials. Um, getting involved in the tiny house community in Portland, I've uh, and having finished a tiny house, I've been asked to come and fix other tiny houses that weren't built quite to that degree. Right. And, <laughs> I've and seen so, you on that web on Facebook. Yeah, and 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 what what it is is there's there's very like mine mine's kind of at the higher end, um, little like medium high end for the price, and it's about for the size. Uh, you can get bigger and uh, for about the same price. So for me, it was I'm not going to put materials that are going to swell in a moist environment, uh, OSB. MDF or mm-hmm. particle board, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and like a lot of these companies are cranking them out, and they're um, to crank them out. You got to, you know, craftsmanship goes down sometimes. So mm-hmm. for me, it was all about building a quality product that's going to last. That's built like a house, and a lot of these, a lot of these houses are kind of stapled together and glued together and slept on the ass and headed out the door. So for me, it was take time, slow down, hand nail, choose quality materials. Right. So, so about how long you think it would take you? So again, I sounds like you'll be building like one at a time, very, very custom work for an individual yeah. customer. Yeah. Um, how long do you think it would take you to build another one? And to what extent will you use... One of the challenges of that, of course, is the fact that you have done the research on the products that you used in yours, and mm-hmm. then you get a customer and they want to have a whole different set of products. So, so um, to what extent do you think that your existing knowledge with your one house will really extend to future houses using other people's ideas and designs and materials? Uh, well, that kind of self-explains the more custom it's going to get if they're products that I don't have experience with. For instance, one of the big products out there that I really have no concept is the washer-dryer unit. You know, I know they exist. I've heard personal reviews mixed. Uh, Oh, it takes four hours to wash two jeans kind of thing. (laughs) Um, I've never experienced one, so, you know, uh, it's going to take a little research on that. Uh, again, on that specific item, my friend just bought one, so he's doing the research and development for me. You know, he's he's going to figure out if it's going to suit him or not. Right. <laughs> Which means then I'll be able to apply it to my to my belts. But like anything, the first one's going to take twice as long than the second one. Yeah. So I imagine, right. you know, the second one's six months easily. So. So for our guest, the washer and dryer that he's actually talking about is called is the all in one unit. So yeah. um, it does have mixed reviews. Um, I put one of them in Amelia, but we'll never have the chance to use it. But um, yeah, I agree. There are definitely mixed reviews. There's the advantage, of course, is it's compact, and you can put a washer and dryer in the space that would normally occupy a washer alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can appreciate the the challenge associated with that. Hey, um, are you, are you, uh, Jason? Are you living in this tiny house that you built, or is, it looks like it's in? You, is it in your yard? Well, um, it depends on the photos that you've I've, mm. I've, uh, updated. My recent photo mm-hmm. uh, to be 
at uh, my new location in Redland. But I built it in my driveway. I lived in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the house that we just purchased in Redland um, is uninhabitable at this point. <laughs> it it was a it was definitely a fixer. Okay. So my my uh, attention will be on that. But um, we will be staying in this tiny house for uh, a number of months until the. Uh, the main house gets fixed up. Well, that's that's good in a way because then you get a chance to test your own product and see. Have you yeah. ever lived in a tiny house before? Uh, we did a couple of nights in this one uh, when we sold our house in Portland. Okay, uh, we had to do a radon test and they kicked us out. So it wasn't quite full time living. Mm-hmm. Um, and with two little boys, a wife and a dog, it gets a little tight. Wow. <laughs> an eight by twenty space, just a little. <laughs> yeah, it was, was kind of like camping out, you know. Yeah, everything but the the picnic or the, everything but the campfire. Right. <laughs> so you're with your time with your time invested in the fixture upper you guys just bought. It yes. sounds like you're not going to be able to do much marketing and outreach or start a new tiny house. Is that correct? In the well, the, the the beauty of that is uh, I'm not allowed to fix the fixer upper. <laughs> Why? Um, as it, because it falls under a FHA loan, and they require um, uh, contractors, and so I have to hire someone and watch them work on my own house. Oh, that's <laughs> frustrating! Oh wow! Well, I didn't know that was an FHA fun. requirement. I didn't know that either. Yeah, must be a yeah. new requirement because it's even if wasn't, I was, yeah. even if I was uh, a certified contractor, which really isn't that hard to get. I'm not allowed to work on my own house. So wow, that's fascinating. Weird. Wonder why that, that is. is. Super yeah. weird. I've never heard yeah. that before. No. So yeah. tell us a little bit about this particular house and and how you decided what to put on your original one. Um, is it more of an RV style and doesn't have tanks? You know, three tanks sure. and sure. and is it you know solar panel and off grid and all that fun stuff or um, is it a hybrid unit? Um, tell us a little bit more about the features and the functions. But besides that, also, why did you choose to build your, shall we say, go-to-market unit in that way? Um, so I am the kind of person that the composting toilet is really appealing. Um, so I, But I also understand that if I'm trying to sell something, I might want to hit a market that's already tried and true. So I went with the uh, RV, standard RV toilet with the black and gray tank um, and a uh, freshwater tank. So that more people who are exposed to it feel a little bit more comfortable with that. Uh, I think composting toilets are fantastic, and I think that it would have saved me several months engineering uh, a tank up underneath. A few thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, to, just to throw a composting, you know, I, I love them. I absolutely love them. But I think for a certain group of people that are still kind of out there on the edge. Um, and I just figured I'd meet them halfway because with an RV toilet that I've installed, you know, you unscrew it and you can put in a composting toilet really quickly. So, so you wired figured, for it? You wired for it. Am I wired for the composting toilet? Correct. I have I have the wiring really close by that can be adjusted. Okay. Very cool. Everything is LED on it. Um, I have a twelve volt system for just two items: the water pump and the um, 
the uh, bathroom fan mm -hmm. all runs on 12 volt uh, it would have to have some kind of one of those solar inverters and that's another area that I have never worked with so I can't really speak to the solar compatibility only that it would have to be a battery bank that you would have to plug into because it is a 110 system so what's your heat source uh, I use one of the Dickinson propane marine heaters that wow. I, surprising uh, why is that yeah. surprising um they're really really expensive Really, really expensive. Super yeah. expensive. Um, yeah. And they are difficult to control uh, moisture and interior temperature. Um, yep. Because of the fact that, again, it's a marine, it's a marine, they're built to heat really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. But tiny houses are more um, insulated yeah. than boats. Yeah. And so it tends to kind of overheat, overheat. and gets a little bit difficult to manage. But that being said, they have an excellent shall we say, quality reputation. I mean, it's the Cadillac of, of, of propane <laughs> heaters, so much so that I couldn't afford it. But um, How much are you talking about when you say really, really expensive? $1,200. Oh, wow. Yeah, super expensive. Yeah. Um, seems, seems like everything in the boat industry is absolutely. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, stainless steel and, yeah, and so, yeah, the 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 top of the top when it comes to that kind of heater but hmm. um i'm still surprised that people are they're spending that much money when they uh but it's also beautiful too i have to admit yeah it's really yeah. pretty yeah 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 the the other option for me was to put in one of those envy heaters uh, electric wallboard heaters um, oh yuck which are not as appealing visually uh, mm -hmm. but they do heat up a space very efficiently and um so there's always that option for me, too, but I, I went with aesthetics. I'm like, yeah, this is my showpiece. I need to step it up a bit. So, Yeah, I and have to admit, I have a, I have two Envies right now, actually. Um, and the yeah. only reason, the main reason why I used Envies is because it's in my rental units, and mm -hmm. I don't want renters actually dealing with a propane stove yep. or propane furnace. And so um, they run on 3.95 uh, amps, so they're also relatively low amp wise however um even as well insulated as mine are they will not heat um because the air exchange is so high uh mm -hmm. once you open the door <laughs> your heat goes out the door it takes them a long time to recover <laughs> the oh, heat yeah. in the room so once it drops below 40 degrees i have to actually augment with a plug-in heater oh interesting so well. they're great for 80% of the time right. yeah. and maintaining the heat in yeah. the space while you're there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you come home at the end of the day, at the end of work, and the house is nice and warm. Yay! <laughs> Unload the groceries? Not so much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're, they're so, efficient. They're not pretty, but they're they're relatively inexpensive, and they're pretty efficient. Hmm. So yeah. far, ask me again in a year, and we'll yeah. see if I burn them out. <laughs> my last house, I, I had them in every room in my last house, and I swapped. It was all electric in my last house, and... Um, Having two little boys sticking crayons and baseboard heaters makes for an exciting. Oh, I spring, bet. You know, first of the winter. Um, so I switched them all to something that they wouldn't be able to melt army men in. <laughs> but then we it, know it, it's it, green for sure. Yeah. But, it, but my last house, it was very well uh, insulated, and those little heaters did really well. So right. I had seriously considered going that way with the tiny house huh, and in a normal house your air exchange isn't that high you know sure. i mean you, it, you you'll get cold in the room you just open the door right. but the whole house isn't instantly right. affected by again the concept of unloading groceries so um 
But I like it so far. I actually just put one in the birdhouse as well. Um, and the guests that are staying in the birdhouse, so the birdhouse, for our listeners, again, is a reminder, is 48 square feet. Um, they So far, the guests say that they have it on for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus their body heat. Yeah, exactly. Is the bath the bathtub that you stuck in there, is that real porcelain or is it fiberglass? <laughs> no. Um, so I, I managed to... See, that, that was one of those design changes that happened on the interior. Uh, so what happened is you're looking on Craigslist for parts. When it, you know, you might find a good door or whatever, but I found this baby clawfoot tub from another tiny house individual who's oh. six foot seven. husband said, not going to happen. <laughs> um, and it, it is acrylic. Um, mm. You can get them Is it online. the Signature Series? Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't remember. Oh, okay. Um, she had it custom painted, um, and she said, That's "Beautiful." She said, "I, I, you know, she spent like thirteen hundred dollars on it." Oh boy! Um, oh, easy. So they're Ooh, yeah, easy. and and for me, I got a great deal because it was all of two weeks old. So, mm-hmm. um, and when you go from a standing shower in the original design to a mini clawfoot tub that's a little bit bigger all of a sudden that changes the bathroom Mm -hmm. size which changed the kitchen size which made all the cabinets custom cabinets and 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 then that's what goes back to the research i'm like i gotta find you know um a, a stovetop that fits this skinny little countertop that you know so everything it's kind of everything changed the design isn't that amazing baby little tub yeah (laughs) isn't that amazing people don't understand what the i always try to explain to them it's not it's a 3d impact he's talking about the cabinets over the top of his kitchen Mm -hmm. are being affected by the size of the tub at the bathroom it is it is a dominoes right it's this whole this whole puzzle where one little thing moves three inches the whole freaking house has to move three inches in that same direction interesting um yeah it's crazy so that would have changed like the price tag too for me because all those cabinets that i had to custom build could have been stock cabinets, yeah, yeah. which I could have saved a ton of time and money on that. So. Yeah, yeah, true. But biggest uh, design issue I have uh, with this, if we're going to talk a little bit about the flaws of this, is I love my rolling ladder, but the majority of people who see it... Um, <laughs> Love it too, but they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna climb up and down twice a night to go pee. Yeah, on a ladder. So, having, you know, trying to figure out who will eventually end up with this, it's, it's definitely not the seniors, the retirees, um, who are actually a big portion of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, empty nesters who have three bedroom houses and looking to downsize. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the tiny houses that have ladders really are geared towards the younger younger individuals. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people look at, take two steps in my tiny house and turn, turn around and go, it's beautiful, but I'm yeah. not climbing that damn ladder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason, thank you much, so much for being on the show today. Um, oh, yeah. Really yeah, appreciate it. fun chat. Yeah, fun, fun chatting with you and getting to know your brand new business. And we wish you a lot of luck in building. Uh, and maybe we'll have you on in a, a couple of uh, months or so to see how you're doing. Excellent. 
It's okay. a success story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show today. I yeah. appreciate your time. Yeah. All right. Take care, you guys. Yep. And Tiny House listeners, thank you so much for listening to another show. We'll have another one next week, and I'm sure you'll be as intrigued with that one as you oh, were with you this one. you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Bam. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>